0: Hey Alex. What
1: is up everybody Welcome to Comic Book Club I'm Alex I'm Pete and Justin's famous and Justin's famous, and we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live over on YouTube, we're live on Crowncast, maybe you're listening to this later as an audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's all good. We appreciate you tuning in, and as mentioned, Justin has gone full-on Hollywood Justin, and this is not a joke. Is it tonight? He's yeah. at a, like, fancy Hollywood premiere? Uh, well, he flies out tonight, I think maybe, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I think he's at the premiere.
0: Oh right, because he's going to be hungover tomorrow when we do the take. Exactly,
1: and yeah. this is uh, for anybody who's wondering. He is the star of the new movie Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's he gets Justin as top billing, and then Brad Pitt's like right below him. No, actually, train.
0: he has his TV show out that he line produced uh, and helped create. Yes, just to be
1: clear, because we're lying a lot here, Justin was supervising producer on a show called 101 Places to Party Before You Die, which is going to be on True TV this Thursday. Not to plug something for Justin here at the top of the show, but I'll say I've seen the first episode, it's very fun. I know oh, I'm a little biased, oh. but uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Pete, can I be honest with you because Justin isn't here? Yeah, like my bias was like, well, prove it to me.
0: <laughs> oh, really? You know, you a, little bit, a, a little Jones, bit, Justin. A little bit. I was like, arms all right. crossed.
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, wanna, I know. I, so it stars John Gabriel, who we're friends with. He's been on the show plenty of times. Oh, yeah. Also stars Adam Pally, who we had on our Marvel Pass ga- oh, podcast. Very lovely so guy.
0: Fun. He Justin, indie. of course.
1: He ripped into me. You love that part. And of course, uh, Justin was supervising producer on it. So I should be biased in that direction. But there was a sense of like, I know I'm supposed to like this because I like them. So maybe I'm not going to like it. So we'll see what happens. Very funny. And in particular, like, if you have listened to Gabrus or Adam Pally on our podcast or anywhere else, It's, like, straight up them, and I cannot believe the jokes they let them get away with on this TV show that's going to be broadcast. Like, great. And and also, just very quickly to keep plugging it, the concept of the show is the two of them travel to places. First episode, they go to Denver, and they just get messed up, drink a lot, party a lot, do the sights. Um, So very fun. Again, that's going to be on Thursday, but Justin's out there for the premiere tonight, so he's not here at our show. Uh, But, Pete, we're going to party until yeah. we die tonight, I think, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Let's get crazy.
1: Let's get crazy because we have two great guests for you all tonight. We are going to bring in our first guest here. He is the author, among other things, of The Next Time I Die, which is out now from Hard Case Crime. Jason Starr, writer of books, writer of <laughs> comics. Jason, welcome <laughs> to the show. Whoa, yeah, Echo. That, that was everybody. <sighs> Jason Star, Jason Star. <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> we did it, I uh,
2: my, Jason. I bring my own fans.
1: Oh yes, you do. Uh, yeah, we. I guess we got a little bit of an echo there. It's all right. We'll figure it out. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for doing the show. We appreciate it. Let's talk about this book, which has a wild and, uh, in all honesty, I love this like very specific, clear concept yeah. right from the end of the first chapter. Uh, do you want to? Pitch what the book is to the
2: audience, if you don't mind. Uh, it's called. I, I happen to have a copy of it. It's called uh, "The Next Time I Die," and uh, it's about a. Do you still have, have an echo there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do we have do have, have an echo. Uh,
1: not yeah. If you have headphones, that might help. Not to talk business, right here at the top of the show.
2: But... Um...
1: Here, I'll tell you what, while you're waiting for the headphones, I saw you signal off camera for them. Uh, How about I'll do the pitch for the book, and then you can tell me if I got it right. Does that sound good? So uh, there's this guy at the beginning of the book. Uh, He's basically living his worst life. Everything is pretty terrible. He ends up in a scuffle in an alleyway and seemingly dies, but he wakes up in a hospital and finds himself not alive in his own body, not alive in the afterlife, but in fact alive in a potentially parallel universe version of his body, the parallel universe version of his body is not at all a very nice guy. Uh, and then he kind of has to solve the mystery and figure out a couple of things from there. Does that, did we, Do we now, did I now yeah, that did I,
2: how about now?
1: Oh, perfect. Right. No echo. Right.
2: There you go. But more importantly,
1: go. did I get the pitch right? <laughs>
2: get, yeah. It, sound, it sounded good okay cool
1: cool. uh well where did this concept come from i mean again like yeah i love it because it's just a a nice clean concept is it true you know did this really happen to you (laughs)
2: um most of my concepts just come from uh um a a situation in in this case i wanted to do something different from uh, my other books i'm Primarily known for psychological thrillers, crime fiction, and this one has a sci-fi toy twist. So I knew that the uh, at second cha- in the second chapter, the book would head off into a wildly different dire- different direction. So it was much more high concept than anything I'd written before. And I've always been a big fan of uh, Philip K. Dick and uh, alternate reality stories and sci-fi. So I always wanted to find my way into writing that sort of story, and this was it. Yeah, one of the other things that
1: I love about it, uh, just from the tone of the book, and of course this is true of most of the hard case crime stuff, is that it's very like, Pulp Fiction-y, noir, old school type storytelling, but with a sci-fi twist. Uh, what was it like taking those two things and putting them together?
2: Well, I think this is the sort of book uh, that you could either read uh, as a crime novel a sci-fi fine novel depending on how you want to view it because it has this sci-fi trope and um there's a the the premise but it's at its heart, heart it's it's a psychological thriller and a crime novel yeah uh well I in all honesty I've only read through the first couple
1: of chapters so far does it delve more into sci-fi as it goes on or did you really just use that as a window to get to like this
2: twisted crime concept um I definitely just used it as a way into the into the story um he winds up in this new reality uh you're it's told in the first person he's not necessarily a reliable narrator so you're getting everything from his point of view and then as the story as the story progresses you're just along along for the ride and you see everything from his point of view and he's trying to unravel this mystery of the physical world but there's also changes in his own psychology And that's what I was going for, this balance of what's going on inside him and an alternate reality inside him, really, and an alternate reality in the world. So there's a bit of uh, the killer inside me in this book, Mm -hmm. Um, there's some Philip K. Dick uh, influence. But it's that sort of story. Like, if you like, if, you like crime, if you like crime fiction or sci-fi fiction, you should find something you like in this. Nice. Uh, one
1: great. thing that I always love to hear from mystery authors in particular, because everybody has kind of a different answer about it, is how do you structure a mystery? Do you start with the solution and kind of work backwards? Do you just set up the situation and go forward from there let the characters guide you? Is it 50-50? How do you approach it?
2: Well, for me, I always have a an outline that's pretty well thought out. There are some myst- mystery writers who want to be surprised and don't have every detail worked out. I have like an evolving outline, and I always know where I'm going, like a beginning, middle, and end from the mm-hmm. get-go. Um, I, do, I don't know exactly where I'm going, so I always want to surprise myself a little bit. Nice. But... Uh, uh the mystery is something that's always plotted out um i want the ending to always feel surprising yet inevitable and sometimes it might read as if it's happening all fluidly and smoothly but it it takes a lot of work for me at least as a writer Some mystery writers it might flow easily but uh in this book in particular i did many drafts uh I don't know why actually but um this is a book like i really wanted to get right and i feel like the plot is deceptively complicated it's a it's a fairly short book it's about um 250 pages but
0: the plot is pretty complex uh Um, this says oh go ahead pete uh, I just wanted to ask because you are rocking a really sweet Megadeth t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> while you're writing, does music help you? Is that something that you kind of like put on the background while you're writing, or is it Comic something- Book Live? Got a party? <laughs> got a party at the uh, right? no yeah, party There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: here we go. I got the pol- I got the Poland Spring and Megabed. Um Sometimes I I would actually wouldn't listen to Megadeth. (laughs) I'd probably have some jazz or something uh, lighter. Usually something without lyrics. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Mm -hmm. lyrics are are a little distracting when I'm writing. Um, I could write in a loud coffee bar where a lot of people talking, but uh, music with lyrics would get a little distracting. Okay, Um, that makes
1: sense. uh, The thing that I was going to say, there was a comment over on YouTube from John Dorsey who said, "Love the Megadeth shirt." So there you go. Kismet, yeah. you nailed it, Pete. Uh, this I believe has already been optioned, right? What What stage is that in at this point?
2: Yeah, I can't really talk about it too much, okay. but uh, Gil Adler, who uh produced uh, Valkyrie, Constantine, Superman oh, okay. Returns, um, Tales cool. from the Crypt, like some some TV, um, optioned it pretty early on uh I I got I got he read the book and he really responded to it and we just made a deal and um th- there's gonna be some more about this soon but um yeah I, I, I was just very excited to work with him on it um I worked with him before in another project and uh yeah we we I think he has a good vision we, we definitely see it as something for TV mm-hmm. um It's just a feeling we both have that that, that's how it worked best. Well,
1: congratulations. That's awesome news. Yeah. I mean, particularly going for, I don't know how much people know your background, but you've done a couple of uh, tie-ins to TV shows before. You did, I think, two Gotham novels, if that's correct.
2: Yeah, I wrote two Gotham novels that tie into the show. The first one is a prequel to the show. So... Actually, the last uh, scene of the novel is the first scene of the TV show. So oh, wow. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Wayne's uh, parents are characters. Uh, it's about Batman before his parents were girls. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um And the other one was take place between season two and season three. So it's it was tricky to to get that to work because I had a very limited space. Yeah. Uh, certain events happened at the end of season two, two is when uh, Gordon was uh, exiled from the Gotham Police Force. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember. And and uh, the mo- the monsters escaped, mm-hmm. and then what happened? It's all so it's called City of Monsters. City of Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, I the always one find was that... an, and the other one was an Ant-Man novel that tied into mm-hmm. the movie. I always find that stuff,
1: uh, these licensed properties like this that are sort of weaving between the existing continuity, so fascinating because h- how do you structure a character arc for something like that? Like you're writing about Gordon between season two and season three. You know where he ended up in season two. You know where he's starting in season three. But you're still writing a book that has to have narrative flow and arc and, you know, a throbbing heart to it. So h- how do you embrace something like that?
2: It's hard. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure how I was able to do it. Um, yeah, because, well, first of all, you have to know the characters really well, um, mm-hmm. the attitude of the, of the characters, the way they speak. Um, and then you do have that limited space. Um, uh, you have to have a plot that is gonna make sense within the confines of that space. And we had to get everything approved by the writers of the show. Mm-hmm so not only did i have to uh create a plot that the editor liked um then the writers were ch- chiming in so there's a lot of notes about the whole thing and they they were they were very concerned that i would they would have like a spoiler of something that happened in the next season yeah. uh i think that was their primary concern
1: hmm. Uh, So what is it like just to bring the two threads together to go from writing these licensed properties to now having a book that you created on your own, potentially heading to TV?
2: It's a different um, set of challenges. In in, in the Gotham books, the world already existed. Mm -hmm. Um, This one in particular, uh, The Next Time I Die, required a lot of world building. Um, that's something I haven't done much of in my own, in my own books, like creating another world. Um, I wrote two books, uh, two urban fantasy novels, uh, the pack and the craving that were about werewolves in New York, where I also had to do some world building. But in in this, in this book, um, I really had to dig deep into the world building, the alternate realities and, um, but as far as like getting it adapted, I always have, I always have an attitude that the, the book exists in itself and a TV show or movie or whatever it becomes is really a different entity. And there's always going to be changes. And I'm always open to changes that make sense dramatically and that um, work well in that other medium, because what works well as a book might necessarily work as a, a TV show, and sure, yeah. and from creating comics, I know that like what works as a comic wouldn't necessarily work as a, a novel. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, other than this, which is on bookstands now, what else can people check out from you, or what else do you want to plug that's coming down the road?
2: Um. Well, my recent uh, not. Uh, comics were uh, Red Border and Casual Fling from AWA a- a- w- Upshot, and they're both available um, in stores. But yeah, the main thing I've been promoting is Next Time I Die, and I'm working on a new psychological thriller and a couple of other TV projects based on my um, work. Um, other Besides the Next Time I Die has been taking up a lot of some, some of my time. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, well, it's awesome. Congratulations yeah, on congrats. it. Yeah, congrats. Fingers
1: crossed. Hoping to see it on TV sometime soon. Uh, thanks so much for coming out and have a little bit Yeah, really night. appreciate it. Okay, thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. Once again, that was Jason Starr. The book is called The Next Time I Die. It's available right now from Hard Case Crime. Like I said, it is super fun, uh, at least what I was able to read so far. But- yeah. Why don't we bring in our next guest here? He is the creator of Eden, a new book that is going to be in comic shops everywhere on July 20th, and then bookstores everywhere on August 16th. I believe it's both from Comicsology and also from uh, Dark Horse Comics, uh, and it's super cool and trippy in a totally different way from the last book we are talking about. So I'm very excited to get into this one. Uh, but Pete, in the meantime, how are you doing? How's everything going?
0: Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm just, you know, I'm worried. I'm wondering what Justin's going to be rocking right now. You know, I'm hoping he's wearing. Oh, what he's the, wearing? Yeah, like the tuxedo where uh-huh. he got killed in Lock and Key. I think that would be mm-hmm. fun for people to see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you think a boulder would fall down at the premiere and land on him if he wore that, though? Oh, it'd be great if it was one of those fake Indiana Jones boulders. Oh, Because you know, yeah,
1: he's got that a would cool. uh, <laughs> That would be cool, but sad, I guess, is the main takeaway there. Um we should here, I'm gonna kick
0: I'm gonna, him out and then yeah, kick him out
1: in. and bring it back in again. Thank you for yep. explaining what I was about to do. Appreciate it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh but here we go. We'll try that one more time, see if that works. I love this platform, man.
0: Works hey. so
3: well. Oh, there we go. Hey. Hey. Hello,
1: how are you, Matthew? Thank you for coming good. in.
3: Good. I wish I had a cool name like Jason Star. Yeah, oh, right. Matthew, Matthew Arnold Matthew is pretty Arnold good. Stuff. You know, if you look at Matthew Arnold, you'll get a romantic poet, so it's mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to be in that shadow, you
1: know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you got two first names, so that's pretty sweet as well.
3: Yeah, that's always great when people call you and call you, hey, Arnold, you know, it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, cool. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I do really love this book. Just to get the details correct, it's available on Comixology now, but yes. going to be in stores from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, comic book stores on July 20th, bookstores on August 16th. Did I get all the details correct? Yeah. All right. Awesome.
3: I got my dates wrong. I foolishly walked into a comic book store today and said, hi, I'd like to see that Eden book. And they said, well, that's not here until August. And I said, okay, bye. <laughs> oh, no. I, was, I, I was all excited to go in and get my book. Sure. I bet. They were like, uh, yeah, I got to wait, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so. that's
1: fine. You're going to just, you're camped outside right now, right? Like you're outside.
3: The- and out there, and just wait, be the first guy to get my own book. That's really go. cool.
1: <laughs> uh, well, the book is really cool though. Uh, it is a super fun concept. I don't know, given that it's out on Comixology, but not out of bookstores, I don't know how much you want to talk about the minutia of it. Do you want to do you want to what how do you pitch the basic concept? Because, like, (laughs) I know what happens over the course of it, but I don't want to spoil anything. You don't want me to spoil.
3: Yeah, don't spoil because it's obviously there's a lot of twists and turns in the books and a lot of surprises, Um, But, you know, basically the idea is that in the near future, they decide to cryogenically freeze prisoners instead of lock them up in cages, which is something that in that time seems more humane to some people. And it's about a senator and uh, a senator who's kind of railing against that system and her husband who get uh, wrongfully convicted of killing their child and are sentenced into the cryogenic prison. And uh, the story sort of opens as uh, a prison break is going on and her husband are released out of the prison and they make a break for it with a bunch of the other criminals only to find that it's uh, been hundreds of thousands of years in the future and the only people left alive on the planet are the criminals in these cryogenic prisons so oh. you know, oh. figure out, yeah how to start society with the worst of society and uh that's what's kind of fun about it is sort of how do you build how do you build a, a world when the people that you're starting with are uh, <laughs> are such devious criminals and can she rally them together to uh to build a better uh, world than the one she left
1: it struck me while i was reading it at least in the first part again without getting into spoilers or anything it's almost like a little bit of demolition man a little bit of lost a little bit of the hundred going on there uh yeah. were those any of the things you were calling on were there additional things you were kind of figuring out as you're putting the story together
3: yeah absolutely you know the you know, I, creatively and professionally, I can never get away from Lost because, just, you know, it's such a huge influence on um, on pretty much anyone that's in television. That show just broke so many boundaries and just showed people what a cool mystery television show could be and, and how how creative the writing could be and the, and, 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 and the fun mysteries and twists and plot turns and character stuff. So, I mean. I could try to run from it and hide and pretend like that's not an influence, but it's such is it's such a strong influence and and uh, so I, I love stories where you get this sort of blank canvas, the way Lost did, a sort of world building and and character stories and ensemble, and I think those are the elements that uh, were culled from from my experience loving shows like Lost, but you know, The Hundreds also, you know, a, a piece of that, and um, you know, the idea though was really that really came out of Um, you know, the book was born during the pandemic and uh, not being able to do my normal thing, which is come up with TV shows and pitch them. We just everything was on hold. But, you know, it also was sort of born out of a uh, questioning of the justice system, like what's going on with our justice system? Is it fair? Is it not? How do we how do we uh, return people to society after they've done something? You know, does does someone come out of prison and, and they've they've paid their debt and we go oh great you know you're fine come on over to go over to dinner and like let's just forget it all or we always treat someone uh like they're wrong or bad like is there forgiveness in this world do we have that capacity and is there another method by which we could find out if you were truly rehabilitated all these questions and all these concerns that i had about the justice system during the pandemic all those things that were really top of mind Can be found in in the in the broader thematic context of the book and i think when when people read that they'll see that there's a there's a question that i'm trying Mm -hmm. to answer about society in the book and and trying to understand uh people and, and human nature
1: so you mentioned pitching tv shows did this start as a tv pitch before it was a comic book or was it always going to be a comic book
3: my brain naturally comes up with stories that are you know related to television and and film Mm -hmm. i i I come up with usually big stories with a lot of character stuff and a lot of twists and turns that's just how i think when i when i get inspired by an idea but then i ask myself what's the best format you know sometimes i have an idea and i go well you know it really feels like a film Mm
0: -hmm. um
3: i've had ideas before that i thought were comic books but i i had no experience i didn't know how to do a comic book or start a comic book um but i had a really good friend named chip Mosier from You guys probably know. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, I had met Chip very early on in my career. My very first thing I did was uh, I was adapting a Guy Davis novel. It was like my first, you know, gig out of film school. Mm -hmm. And Chip was uh, working at Oni Press at the time. And when I I had this idea for Eden, I was trying to figure out what the best format for it was. And I thought, you know, it's so visual. It's so big. It's to be hard to set up just as a TV show without a piece of IP. And maybe I should you know, avail myself of this opportunity, this downtime to create a book. So I called the only guy I really knew that really did that was Chip. And I said, I got an idea, Chip. You know, I want to I want to do this as a book. And and he said, well, send me the one pager. And he said, I love this one pager. I want to make this book. And I said, wow, that's that's great. So that's how this all started was I realized it was probably better suited as a book. I just didn't know how to do it. And thankfully, I knew Chip. So he knew how to do it. And there we go.
1: Uh- <laughs> so- You know, we talk about this a lot on the show. We'll obviously read a lot of books, and we'll sometimes read things where it's like, oh, this is a movie pitch. This is a TV pitch. They didn't mean this to be a comic. They're just putting this down on the page to be this other thing. Mm -hmm. Reading this, I almost had the converse experience where I read it, and I was like, this is like five seasons of a TV show compressed into one graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And A, it was a great experience reading it, but it was so stressful because so many things happen at such an insane pace over it. That's why to me, it worked as a comic book uh, that all said, what was it actually like writing that? Because it feels like there's times when you could kind of see, okay, this issue, that's this person's episode, one hour episode of television. Instead right. you're compressing it down to 20
3: pages. Well, you know, thank you for saying what you said, because I, I, I wanted to abandon the the, te- the my typical sort of television um, format. Um, i think in terms of the panels there's something very filmic about it just because of the way that i think of angles and what i described to to ricardo burturelli our incredible artist so i think there's something filmic about it but in terms of story progression i just had this story i wanted to tell and i i i wanted to tell all of it and um you know if you were just sort of trying to do a trying to use this as a pitch or as leverage to get a tv show you might just you know, throw the ideas down there enough to kind of trigger someone to pick it up and, and adapt it. But I said, no, I, I, I want to tell the whole story here. I, you know, I knew where it was going. Um, I, I knew I wanted to, you know, del- delve into the backstory of some of these characters so that they were a little richer from sure, yeah. flatness. And um, and uh, I'm not giving much away to say that we we bounce back into people's lives before they were incarcerated a little bit, which sheds light on who they are. And I love how characters evolve a little, where you get like a moment of them in the main story and you go, I wonder what, what that guy is like, you know, or what that woman's like. And you find out who they were and you might be like vastly surprised by their life. Yeah. Uh, that's my mom calling. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tell
1: her I, I said hello. That's
3: one of you guys because I don't have a line. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. that's
1: Pete. Pete couldn't disconnect his
0: phone. Yeah, it's, I, your
3: buddy, it's your buddy calling from the premiere to to make that comment about the boulder. He's not, <laughs> he's not about I have, the,
0: I have the phone in the corner of the room underneath the pillow. I thought that would do it, but apparently it's apparently uh, it's not how things work. Right. Uh, what if it's an emergency, Pete? What if
1: somebody's calling you about an emergency?
0: Yeah, can, it can wait a couple hours until we're done with the show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, like I mean, just properties. to get <clears throat> just to get back to
1: it though, I, I'll just pay you another <clears throat> compliment just in terms of the pace that like. It, I, I know I was saying it's stressful, but it also, it escalates so quickly, everything that happens in the book. It's great. Like, it's just very action packed, but you don't really forget about the emotions of the characters and the central mystery and everything. So, again, really love that it works as a graphic novel, even though reading it, I could see it so clearly watching it on screen over the course of three, four or five seasons or whatever.
3: Well, you know, I'm... that might come from my childhood attention deficit. <laughs> I just need a lot of stuff to happen all the time or I get bored in a book. I don't have the patience to uh, take my time. And, uh, you know, uh, graphic novels are great for that because a picture does uh, say those thousand words I need it to. So, yeah, I did. I did accelerate through a lot of the, the story because there's so much I wanted to say and and uh the 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 comment i get the most about it is how many twists and turns and just when you think you kind of know where the story is going there's another twist that surprises you and that makes me really proud because i love i personally love a story that does that i love to i love to be like engrossed and not you know feel like i'm gonna miss something and like you get a twist you go i can't stop now i gotta read the next Mm -hmm. three pages to see what oh there's another okay now i'm gonna have to read a few more so that was uh that was the goal for me and uh I am getting that from people. So I feel like I, I, I accomplished what I was trying to do with the book.
1: So this is, we've talked to a couple of comiXology um, creatives, I guess. And that's a poor way of putting it. Uh, but people that have done books for comiXology, you obviously had it up on this digital platform, and now it's going to be published in print. Uh, what's changed, if anything, from the digital format to the print format? Or is it really just it's going to be on the physical pages, and that's the only thing that's going
3: to be different about the collected edition? Well, uh, literally nothing. Um, okay. it, you know, I t- typically I know when comiXology does stuff, they, you know, they, they wanted to create panels so that you can move quickly through that digital um, you know, window that they have. When we designed the book, we already knew that Dark Horse was going to do a print version mm-hmm. of. It. So when I designed the book uh, with with Ricardo i said you know design it as a paper book don't worry about how well the comiXology software handles it let, let let them figure that part out let's just make the coolest looking book you know pages and experience and you'll see there's some just some a little bit of avant-garde you know decisions in the way that we use some of the pages and some of those full black pages that we have that are kind of cool and creepy and the way that we we, we did that um and so i just kind of gave him free reign to really just play with the page and make it as impactful as possible so Okay. Weren't hemmed into the typical comicsology mm-hmm. stuff, probably to their dismay. in some <laughs> regards. but, but I, I just, I just felt like a book needed to to really explore its boundaries and and be uh, a little more creative and avant garde, not just go with all the typical squares, you
1: know. Well, I do think, to be honest, and not to keep big upping you, but there's been a lot of mixed reactions to the comiXology experience over the past couple of months. I think they've improved it on the back end, if I remember correctly. But this was definitely one of the better reading experiences that I've had through comiXology recently. And I think that's down to the art, like you're saying, which is so clear the characters are so clear the yeah. panels are big and nice so it's very easy to flip through it and i assume probably easy, easier the printed edition but just mentioning for anybody listening who might want to pick it up on comixology
3: yeah i got my uh i got my proof copy just a little while ago Ooh, was, nice was really pretty so i was oh pretty. wow the colors were just really just blasting Beautiful. why are you
1: gonna <laughs> sleep out at the store for a month then you got a copy right there <laughs>
3: I Are you still gonna had to buy one to act like you know there was this massive demand every day? I feel like if <laughs> I,
0: I feel like if I back with a
1: mustache, yeah,
0: I would. Exactly. Yeah, I would go and just like read it. Uh, you know, I'll be like, "Oh man, this is hilarious!" Oh, I love <laughs>
3: this book. What's the name man? Oh, this yeah, is call great. It every day, under under different names, and ask them if they have any in stock, and make sure I do that to every bookstore in my neighborhood, so that they just stock it up. Yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, way to go
1: <laughs> well that all said now that you do have this proof of concept version is it something that you are thinking about maybe trying to pitch around as well to tv or movies or anything like that
3: uh well i will tell you that we may have some very big news about that coming mm-hmm. down the pike soon i can't say anything just yet but we uh cool. we will likely have something really cool to announce uh very shortly and i wish i could do it here but i was told i'm not allowed to all
1: right fair enough uh uh, maybe there's some sort of the the
3: first rule of comic book adaptations is you do not talk about comic book adaptations right there you go well that
1: also that all said (laughs) you did this like you were saying over the pandemic but now that you have done a comic book do you feel like you would want to do this experience again or you're like no i did that that's the rearview miller i can move back to tv where's your head at with that
3: no I, i i love it i mean it was I got to tell you, uh, for a guy who writes uh, uh, television and film and stuff, it was so freeing to do this, to to, uh, to do a comic book and to know that I didn't have to follow some of the same rules that you have to follow in television and film. And then just visually to describe the panels was such a wonderful experience because it was like directing the show. Mm-hmm. And you know, typically as a writer, you don't get to do that. What you're trying to do is the opposite, is you're trying to suggest things uh, allow a director to have their say on on the the visuals of it. but here I was actually you know picking the frames, picking the shots. I found it very rewarding. I'm already talking um uh, to Comixology about my next one, which is a big 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 project, sort of a, a magnum opus kind of uh, you know five five graphic novel series that I've oh, been wow. planning for years and years as a you know my star wars or something but it's a big big story that i've been trying to tell for a long time and i've realized that the best format to tell it is going to be as, as you know graphic novels and comics i get awesome. the, the visual stuff i want to do and the story and everything else so i'm uh, actively trying to go do my next one so i, I loved uh, it okay. great experience Right.
1: I'd love to hear that. Love that you've uh, joined the tribe here. Joined our book <laughs> yes. tribe. Really appreciate Over. it. Yes. Uh, well, Matthew, congratulations on the book. It is awesome. Everybody yeah, should go congrats. pick it up. And uh, looking forward to whatever the big news is coming down the pike.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm sure I'll see you at uh, Comic-Con.
1: All right, cool. <laughs> Bye, Matthew.
3: Take care. Take care.
1: All right. Once again, that book is called Eden. As mentioned, it's out now on Comixology, or you'll be able to get the print version, which looks Awesome just based on watching him flip through it. Uh that's gonna be in comic shops on July 20th or bookstores everywhere on August 16th. Just in time
0: for Comic-Con.
1: There you go. We'll be camped out right now though, right? We're gonna start that whisper campaign we were talking about. Oh yeah,
0: definitely.
3: Hey, 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 hey,
0: hey! Just two seconds, pay attention.
3: Do you watch anime?
0: Yeah, but do you listen to podcasts about anime? Of course, course, course. Then check out the shonen tapes the shonen tapes is a
1: podcast that talk anime every single wednesday where we do deep dives on old shows new
3: shows characters face off theories and hypotheticals google us shonen tapes sounds exactly how it's spelled see you there good
1: night why don't we move on to our next section which is my favorite section because you all make it up it is your audience Ooh. question. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question, or over in the YouTube comments, we'll keep an eye on that. But first, let's talk about what we're drinking. Now, as frequent listeners of the show will know, Brett Macris, aka Stray Bullet, Stray Bullies. Yeah, there you go. Should I stop pausing? Do you like interrupting me? I don't yes, know. Yes, I do. Oh, very you like it? Okay. Yeah, it throws me though, enjoy. so I like to put the pause in there. But Stray Bullet, he, the official CBC chef, has been curating drinks for us. He did one this week from the Gotham Cocktail Book: Birds, Birds of a Feather, Birds of Prey. I think it's Birds of a Feather, but it is a Harley Quinn drink. I'll put the cherries briefly back in here. It's very nice. I use some red cherries instead of the black cherries you're supposed to use. Oh, basically you're supposed like a, to use
0: black cherries, man. Come I on.
1: Mean, well, not black cherries, but Amarena cherries, which are like a little more soaked. I only had maraschinos on hand. But it's basically like a cherry martini. So I'm going to get schnockered by the end of the show, Pete.
0: Yeah. Speaking of schnockered, I had a giant glass of vodka that I'm just down to this part here. So a little pure vodka? Well, it was uh, vodka and soda oh okay um, yeah all right but uh i was what was like, the ratio well i poured it you know i like to do kind of like 60 40 maybe 70 30 in um, which direction which is the large key oh my uh, god direction and so okay. like um i uh i just thought oh i'll just make a huge one and that way i won't have to like you know go and get one in between one so it's uh you know so it's a little uh yeah <laughs> um, it's really hot in here and i kind of went through a lot of it so i'm a little oh worried my god about how all right the, the show's gonna think, go yeah
1: next show we're probably gonna have your liver on as a guest because it's gonna leave your body
0: sweet jesus
1: uh all right why don't we move to some questions before you die pete this is from stray bullet i'm working on a new apron what character should i go with also i want to take the secret punisher quiz oh wow are you ready to do that, or are you too whiz Yeah, record?
0: yeah, yeah. Right. we just here got we to know. figure out where we left off last time.
1: <sighs> we could probably do that together. We're going to bring in Brett here on screen, for those of you who have been listening frequently, you know that Pete has a second Secret Punisher quiz that's been going <laughs> on that has been running. I can't believe this is happening. But we've made it, I think, six or seven questions in, something like that. So we're yeah. going to bring Brett on screen, and he's going to take the Secret Punisher quiz. Should be fun times. See what happens. And maybe we could talk to him about the other thing to set up while he's coming in here. Hey, there you go. He makes his own apron. Hey, what's up? Super awesome. Brett, hello. You you can hear me? Yeah, Yeah? we can hear you, Spider-Man. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love this. I love this shirt. Uh, Real quick, let's figure out what apron you should make. What apron? So,
0: I'm working on a one right i can't pull it out of the uh, this is actually my uh oh look at sewing that sewing machine, machine. nice yeah look at that lego batman on there <laughs> awesome <laughs> uh, so Cameron. i, I uh, but i am i so like during the pandemic i pretty much stopped sewing mm-hmm. so i owe a lot of people uh some aprons but uh, oh so you're back on one for myself too oh i am very backlogged Ask, uh jolene
1: uh, yeah what what uh so you made a cypher one for me you made a punisher one for pete and was Mm -hmm. it a starman one for justin
0: starman okay yeah and they're awesome uh, and kevin got one made multiple yeah kevin got uh
1: gwenpool they dropped it off for him Ooh, Gwenpool. Greenpool. Yes, Kevin says Gwenpool. Uh Ben yeah. the Border Collie has a good suggestion. Mighty Thor or possibly Dr. Jane Foster apron, which I think Ooh. is just a lab coat. Ooh. But all right. That's
0: pretty much a lab coat.
1: Yeah, but Mighty Thor might mm. be good, or you could do uh Gore the God Butcher's Apron.
3: Yeah.
0: Just cool. a messy, white, dirty, gray, <laughs> <Yeah>. ashy. <Exactly. laughs> there um, you go. I mean, I think you should usually... do a Venom one. I have. I've already done it. There you oh. go. suggestion. Oh, wow. Done two Deadpools. I've done Venom. I've done Spider-Man. I've done uh, Captain Marvel for my wife. I mm. did an R2-D2 apron that almost killed me. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I've done uh, Galactus. Mm. I did Ghost Rider.
2: Oh, I did, my God. Uh, Robbie Ray Ghost,
0: Ghost Rider. That was...
1: Ooh, what about, that uh, was Kevin says, for... Miss Marvel. Have you done Miss Marvel?
0: No, I haven't, but that's a good idea. That is a good idea. All right,
1: shall we do this Punisher quiz,
0: Pete? All right, great. We'll pick up where we left off with question number six. All right. Okay. What Punisher title did Chuck Dixon write in 1993? Is it A, the Punisher back-to-school special, B, Marvel Knights, or C, the Punisher, a man named Frank? I say uh b i'm gonna assume nope no it's fucking a (laughs) oh
1: man all right do we need to pick that up
0: sounds so dumb it does Uh, that's why it's a it's a trick
1: oh man all right i guess we'll pick up with that one next time is that what's going
0: on pete yep
1: all right thanks brett good luck out there delicious drink good choice this evening yeah yeah
0: yeah. much love much love (laughs)
1: All right, uh, There we go. Why don't we move on with another question there before I can see Pete is losing it. Uh, Edward Doherty says, I've been watching a lot of cartoonist KFab as they read old wizard magazine issues. What are your memories of
0: wizard? Well, it just brings me back to a happier time, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I just remember, you know, picking them up, reading them and they were like a big deal. Uh, and, uh, we did like a couple interviews, which was great. And, you know, yeah, that's what makes me think of. Wait, you did interviews with wizard magazine? No, we interviewed people who, uh, wrote stuff for wizard magazine.
2: Oh,
1: okay. That's right. Uh, yeah, I never really read Wizard strangely. I don't know. It what? was one of those things that was always in comic shops, and I was like, huh, that looks interesting. And then I just walk by it and get more packs of Marvel trading cards. Huh. You're
0: an interesting cat, I'll tell you I what. Am.
1: Thank you. Uh, well, there you go. So, not a lot of memories. Bad answer to that question. Uh, you know, we got you one... don't remember,
0: like, just the booths and stuff at
1: Comic-Con? and Wizard... I remember Wizard Cons. Like, I've been yeah. to Wizard Cons, but, like, not... I don't know. That's not wizard back in the day. Wizard back in the day is like Ghibli on the cover posing and being like biggest man in comics, Mm -hmm. the King of San Diego himself. That's right. Yes. Um, But I've also met various people who wrote for wizard since then. And I always like, I always feel bad. I'm like, Oh wow. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's cool. It is cool. It was this thing that was really cool for a while. Apparently it was a terrible place to work.
1: Oh, so there no. you go. Uh, this is from Nat Towson. Do you guys have some favorite historical historical fiction comics ones that don't feel like a textbook? Sorry to put you on the spot during your comic book talk
0: show. You first love of all, doing this shit. He first I don't of know all, why. Come he, on, Nat. He, Stop asking he, questions. He does these gotcha questions that are too hard, and uh, you know, I don't. What the fuck? Historical <laughs> what?
1: Historical comic-wise, the first thing that comes to mind is Fred Van Letty and Ryan Dunleavy's comic book history comics, which I absolutely love. They're ones that don't feel like textbooks. They are super fun and funny and smart and well done, while very informative at the same time. Um, I've given, if you have kids and you're listening to the podcast, they've done a couple of ones about American presidents and uh, philosophers that are both kid-friendly. They did one, the comic book history of comics that just came out that's so good and comic book history really and animation been... also very
0: good. Yeah, the animation one was great. So, all of that stuff highly recommend. I'm well, sure it had this more stuff panel out there. that showed a rotating like house that they worked in that always had was catching sunlight so they could keep working It was bananas. Yeah, pretty cool stuff.
1: Uh, so there you go. Hope that helps. Uh, I actually have a question we got on a DM on Twitter that Who? I'm going to share. Well, hold on, there's some reason for it. This what, is from what Andrew's
0: you... what? What are you doing with With the Twitter man, it makes me a little worried about you and your DMs on Twitter.
1: This is not like um, somebody didn't ask me, yeah. Somebody slid into my DMs on Bumble and asked me a question. For a, no, this is a DM on Twitter to our at Comic Book Live account. Calm down All right, school. we'll say
0: it like that. Don't be a fucking douche about it. Like, hey, I'm just going to uh, uh read some DMs here. That is 100 not what I sounded like. It's exactly. It was. If you play it back, it sounds like you're like. Who's I feel like talking? this
1: is the 50 vodka talking, Pete. Andrew Softly says, "Hi guys, niche question time from a big fan of the UK with a young daughter, so unable to stay out for the." live show to add to audience questions. Do you have any recommendations of a good comic book run or graphic novel about or heavily featuring birds? So if you thought that was being niche and difficult asking about <laughs> historical comic books,
0: what are some good comic books featuring birds? Well, the problem is the first thing I think of is the lock and key issue mm. where they turned into birds and it was almost like a Calvin or Hobbes yeah. thing. But if this is for his daughter, that's a serious, like, I don't know if you want to go down that road because of all the uh, the scary stuff.
1: I don't um, know if he was asking for her or for him. It wasn't yeah. 100% clear. But yeah. adult lies, 100% lock and key sparrow. That's an incredible issue. Um, I'd also throw out there was a recent book called An Unkindness of Ravens by Dan Panosian. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's real good. Uh, not that many ravens in it, but there's certainly some birds going on there. We also got some suggestions of Murder Falcon and Hawk and Dove. Kevin mentions they did some Angry Birds comics. Uh, there's also, if this is for a kid, the big one that I recommend is Owly, which is an oh, all ages comic about wow. an owl that's super fun.
0: Owly is awesome. And to Nat Townsend,
1: who's being a total asshole here, says, "Have you read Audubon? Yeah, we've read Audubon magazine." Nat, thank you so much. Jesus, that's not a comic
0: book. Um, I'm trying to think of more bird stuff. <laughs> Nat says no. It's an iconic. Oh wait, kit. remember Little Bird? That's a that's a great. Uh, mm, that is a really good one.
1: Also, not for kids necessarily, but
0: not a lot of birds. But well, no, I mean, like they pose as birds when they're they go on a killing spree. Uh, that's right, just like real birds. Yeah. This one is for Kevin. <clears throat>
1: what are high concepts you've seen dozens of times in fiction, but never get tired of? Hmm. Great question
0: get tired
1: of I mean this is not a high concept but the first thing I thought of here like I am 100% a sucker for anything with a spaceship which is stupid but any TV show that has spaceships and space stuff in my bar is way lowered for whatever is happening in that TV show Really, I am far more likely to watch it if it has a spaceship or space stuff huh Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, probably because of that whole Star Wars, Star Trek thing that I grew up with. But Maybe.
0: Maybe. Uh, Spaceballs, you know? I mean, that was Mm -hmm. a huge one. Yeah, that was a huge one. But what are some things, what are some tropes? Fiction. I I never get tired of the uh, kind of like This isn't exactly what you're talking about, but, uh, you know, uh, the kind of, like, little guy winning in the end, the kind of triumph uh, story that uh, I never get tired of. And uh, also just a quality rom-com. You know what I mean? Can I throw out
1: a couple for you, Pete, and you tell me if I'm wrong? Sure. One is classic Lone Wolf and Cub, where you got, like, a badass, a silent badass and a little kid. Yeah. Right? You love that. The silent badass is just. You also love the good old old man Logan where he's like, I'm not going to pop my claws. I don't do that anymore. And then he pops his claws.
0: Yeah, but after it's really.
1: Yeah, after like like a while. That's what I'm saying. But you love that.
0: It's earned. You love that.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then I think these are all variations on Wolverine tropes. Actually, this one isn't. But you also love uh, a badass grandma.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fun fish out of water stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Whether it's a badass old guy or a badass grandma, as long as they're old and badass, you are. As long as they're
0: badass and kind of go against the type a little bit, I'm in it.
1: Yeah. This is from John Dorsey over on YouTube. Gentlemen, what are your all-time three favorite covers? I assume He's not talking about cover songs,
0: but covers of comic books. Well, he probably saw the Megadeth t-shirt and it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, ah, all-time favorite covers.
1: I mean, one I'll throw out that I think about all the time, I don't know if it's favorite so much as it haunts me to this very day, (laughs) is the West Coast Avengers issue with Master Pandemonium turning the Scarlet Witch's kids into his arms. It's art by John Byrne. And basically it was the issue where they, I think the issue after they revealed that the Scarlet Witch's kids weren't real and were actually parts of, of Master Pandemonium's star soul that he was trying to complete so he could take over hell or something. And it's just him sucking the children back into their arms of this classic, distorted, wrinkly,
0: John Byrne children. Very upsetting. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's, like, artists that I love that just, um, you know, there was, like, the uh, Wolverine run where he kind of got... uh, uh you know manipulated and he went like kind of through everybody and killed a bunch of people um mark silvestri did like a really uh interesting kind of run of covers for that that was like really amazing um uh any like chris samney kind of like uh i think when he was doing kind of like daredevil there were some really amazing covers Mm -hmm. there um uh, Tim sales, like did like a bunch of Batman covers that were just absolutely magical. Um, I, I throw out,
1: I, I always, I never think about this one because the context of the book is kind of whatever, but new Avengers number one is iconic. The thing of just like the team in shadow with the lightning crashing behind them. That's a cool book. That's a cool book. That's a cool cover that they've repeated a bunch of times. That's very awesome. Also, Uh,
0: oh, go ahead. There was also this like unbelievable uh, Punisher thing where you kind of see New York City and it's a giant Punisher figure, and like his shadow is casting over the city. And for Central Park, it's just the skull kind of thing. Oh, it was really cool. Uh, What
1: about Wolverine number one with him popping the claws and just like. Doing the beckoning finger. Well, yeah. I mean, that's about.
0: the old uh uh oh my god, I can't believe it. Old blue eyes uh cover because Frank had a uh album cover, and that is a kind of uh oh. an homage to that. They're both oh, doing the same that. thing, so Wolverine has claws. All right, there we go. Well, there's yeah. a couple. Um also the Wolverine one where you can like he's like this, and in the blades you can see the Hulk. That one's really good. Yeah. Uh, We got a question, a
1: topical question from Nelson Martinez on YouTube. Have you guys seen any of the Emmy nominations so far? If so, any shows you're pulling for or any actors, actresses in general for any specific roles? Now, I mentioned before the show, I was joking with Pete that we should open up being angry that we got snubbed for the Emmys once again. Pete was like, what's going on with the Emmys? So it didn't seem like a good bit. Uh, oh, so also yes. we're
0: not a tv show so what the fuck well, you that's a good about? reason for us to be snubbed for the emmys that's all i'm saying but the good news is old jt Sis, the classically trained actor and line producer extraordinaire just mm-hmm. kind of is entering uh you know he's gonna be ready for next he season. could be
1: he could be nominated for an emmy it absolutely could happen
0: that's right yeah one of the best line producers around that said, Pete, because of that, you're probably
1: not familiar with the Emmy nominations, right? I did tell you Ted Lasso got 20 nominations.
0: You're That's pretty excited. Insane. Yeah. That's so great. Yes. I'm very excited. Uh,
1: I, I was excited. Do you, Who do you think, from the cast, if you had to guess, what would be the wildest cast nomination? Like, obviously, Jason Tadakis obviously had a of gab. But if you had to throw out one guess. I want like, Beard. Coach Beard to get it. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. Do you know who got nominated though? This is going to blow your mind. Who? Trent Krim. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Trent Crim. Trent yeah. Krim.
0: Yeah, just from oh. the
1: independent got nominated for an Emmy. I love it.
0: <laughs> now he's just uh, Trent Crim independent. You know I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm excited Spoilers. to see what he's coming out with uh next season. Yes.
1: Uh, So yeah, Ted Lasso was great. I know people have really turned against the show, but I was excited to see all the nominations for The White Lotus, uh, a show that I loved, though there was this absolutely insane thing where I think it was supporting actress. Five of the seven nominations were The White Lotus and the other two nominations were like Dope Sick or something. And everyone was like, watch other TV shows. What are you doing? Uh, So there was that. Um, I was not surprised, but a little bummed about the Stranger Things acting, lack of acting nominations. Sadie Sink didn't get anything, which was a huge bummer. But I think like they released the show too late and they were looking at it for technical nominations anyway. Um, What was the other one that I was excited about? Barry? Uh, Barry got a ton of nominations. So that's cool. (laughs) amazing i amazing. was excited killing eve only got two nominations for jody comer and sandra oh which is correct <laughs> the final season was kind of mixed but they killed it throughout so that was good to see
0: um, sandra oh it's great every time you see her
1: on the on the more like geek friendly front arcane the animated series on netflix got a bunch of nominations Ooh. which i thought was very cool because that's a cool different show. So that was fun to see. And on the Marvel bent, it was mostly a lot of technical stuff, but mm-hmm. they got a ton of technical nominations.
0: So believe for them on that. You're, you're telling me, uh, uh freaking what's his face, uh, who's in the black phone, didn't get a nominated for anything? Ethan Hawk? Yeah. No, I don't think there were any acting nominations for Marvel. Man, the Hawk killed that though. He that's came weird. up with the glass bit. He I mean, did. That's... he did that for real. Cut out, he cut the shit out of his feet. No, but it was his idea to have his character do that. <laughs> oh, man, that's great.
1: That's really cool. Oh, oh here's man. the one that I was most excited about. Uh, Rhea Seahorn finally got nominated for an Emmy uh, for Better Call Saul, which is like six seasons too late, but I'm hey. glad they finally did it, so that's good. Uh, so there you go. Nat Towson says, Wait, I thought Moon Knight came out this year. Yes, the cutoff for Emmys, I believe, is May 31st, so anything that did... Five episodes or more before May 31st can be nominated, which is why they split Stranger Things the way they did. They wanted to make sure to get at least five episodes out there so that they could get nominated for the Emmys. Um, it didn't quite work out for them. Uh, Nat says Oscar Isaac gets snubbed. Uh, yeah. Counterpoint, maybe he didn't. Oh, come on, dude. Are you serious? All the different characters he, he played, it was amazing. Yeah, it was fine. It was all Fuck fine. You, man. I think. you, none of the Marvel stuff since WandaVision has broken through in the critical discourse in the same way. And obviously we love it here, but... We do love it here, you asshole. We do love it here. It. Yes. Nat saying uh, when he switched from Mark to Steven for the first time in all one shot, that was so good. But counterpoint, so was Sidney Sweeney in Euphoria. Why don't we go to one of Nat Towson's Last questions here. Uh, We I think we have two more questions, one from each. Nat says, I have a bunch of random comics that I've accumulated throughout the years, not ones I need to hold on to, but they're not necessarily appropriate for kids either. What
0: should I do with them so they don't end up in the recycling? First off, comics should never end in the recycling. Are you out of your fucking mind? You could donate them? Yeah, you're right. They go right in the garbage. Oh, my God. Who's... What kind of show? Come on, man. Have a little respect for what we do here a little bit. I mean, come on. Is that too hard? More like a garbage book club. You know what I'm talking about? You're a piece of shit, man. I've said that for years. So listen, there is a lot of things you can do with those comics. You know, you can take it uh, to a shop or something and, you know, maybe get some money for it or some credit. You can donate to a library. There's a lot of different places that you can go that are going to want those things. Uh, don't don't be selfish and just kind of, uh, you know, ruin and, uh, you know, not give somebody a chance to read something that you thought was good enough to buy.
1: Yeah, the big thing that I'd recommend, and I don't know if they're taking donations again, but take them, don't take them to the library, but check with your local library first, because libraries would take donations pre-pandemic. I don't know if they're back to that level yet, um, but you can certainly bring them over there and see if they take it. Or they may have know of services you can take it to um, just to sort of distribute from there. The other thing you could do is just, you know, uh, depending on where you live, like uh, when I have donation stuff, I just put it out on my stoop and then it's gone in like an hour. So, yeah,
0: there you go. Or if you do a live show, you know, you can uh, uh, put some stuff that you think people like in little bundles and kind of mm-hmm. give it to them. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore, though, Pete. Yeah.
1: Sad times. It used to. We got one last question. This is a businessy question over on YouTube from The Big. Hey, guys, just wondering what's up with the Minute Media before the podcast. New sponsor? This is something that's actually been over a year now, I think, at this point. Uh, Minute Media is actually the folks who host our fine podcast. We are financially independent. I don't know how you described it. We still own the podcast and everything, but they've been super cool to us. They set up the hosting service. They take care of that. They take a little cut of any ads that run, uh, but they also give us a nice chunk of change from that as well, which we really appreciate. Um, and they've uh, given us a little support in other ways as well. So that's what's going on with Minute Media. In exchange, they asked us, and this was totally optional. They said, "Hey, can we run a little thing before the podcast that say this is a Minute Media podcast?" And we're like, "Sure, sounds good." So, so there you go. That's the whole deal. All right. And that is it for your audience questions. <laughs> we're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to drunk the page.
0: All right. This, uh, do we have a person or are we looking? We for do first not have somebody up? in
1: advance. So, okay. Ooh, we do have a hand up here from Mike T. Can I bring Mike T in? Sure. All right, there we go. So we're going to bring in Mike. Mike is going to compete for a $25 gift card at Midtown Comics. That's right, online. Online. You can spend it online, so there you go. You don't have to be in sure. person. It's a, it's a online nice option in
0: case, you know, you're not a... Hey. Hey.
1: Hello, Mike, how are you? Oh, no, on? I can't hear you. Oh, All right. you can you yeah. hear us now?
0: I can't hear anything. I see your mouth moving. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh. oh, no, Mike. Hopefully you can hear us soon. Why isn't this working? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know, We can. It's... See you. Oh, we lost him. Oh man.
1: Wait, he's still on screen. He's back. Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? I can't figure this
0: out. I'm sorry guys. Oh, it's
1: fine. I'm gonna <laughs> here I'm gonna kick him out.
0: Oh uh, nice try, Mike. Sorry. Alright, it's fine. We could do it in the comments if you want. Yeah, Mike, if you want to just uh comment, we can do that. Yeah. We're gonna just type that out here. He got it. Oh, okay. he's got it. He's got it, he says.
1: Okay, so you want to ask the questions, Pete?
0: And I'll answer in the comments. Great, but it says he's got it, though, because maybe we should try to bring him in one more time. But <laughs> today's trivia is on topical. Oh, Mike works. Okay, so why don't we try him to? All right, him let's on. try it one more time. There we go. Why
1: not? Play it yeah. loose. Absolutely.
0: Hey, can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us? <laughs>
1: Can you hear us? Why
0: me? Uh, all right, well, all right. We'll just uh, try. We'll just do it in the and, comments. Yeah, do it in the comments. No? Yeah, here's Mike.
1: My- <laughs> this <laughs> is great for the audio podcast. Is yeah. what it is. Sorry, okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, there we go. So, ask away, Pete. My, okay, uh, so Mike answer. is answering.
0: On- Topical comic news and a small nod to legend James Khan R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. All right, Mike, you're just going to type in what answer you think uh, it is. Okay, here we go. Question number one. In the new Iron Fist, who will face Judgment Day alongside Iron Fist? Is it A, Loki, B, Red Ghost, or C, Lisa... Michelle Axelrod. So it's either A or you could be completely wrong.
3: Hey. Oh, a is
0: correct. Well done, Mike. This is nice. No delay on it, like in the YouTube. Okay. Question number two. In the Moon Knight annual coming out in October, Moon Knight faces off against blank. Is it A, a nun, B, a werewolf, or C, build Nunn? So it's either A which wouldn't be that fun or it's B a werewolf. Hmm. B is correct.
1: And isn't it called Werewolf by Moon Knight?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it really is actually called that. Oh, okay, I thought you were just doing a bit. No, I never uh, did. Okay, the last one. Mike in Young Hellboy assault on Castle Death number 1. Hellboy moves to blank is it A, Conrad good, B, Connecticut, or C, Conrad bad? So B, Connecticut's the only one that's an actual place. There we go. B, it is, Mike. All well right.
1: Done. There we go. Congratulations, Mike. You're going to get a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and we'll get that off to you. And Pete, what was the secret James Con movie that you were hinting at in your Obviously, it
0: was the 1996 hit. Bulletproof. Mm,
1: wow, of all the things in James Conn's filmography, you went for bulletproof?
0: That's right. Great.
1: Is that your favorite James Conn
0: movie? Um, you know, you gotta say The Godfather, you know what I mean? Mm. Not but Elf? You don't like Elf better? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of great I mean I had Well a, real quick,
1: what's a better movie? Elf or the Godfather? It's
0: kind Godfather. of a toss up, right? No. Oh. It's
1: not even close. Well, I'll tell you what is a toss up is all the great comics that are coming out this week. Pete, what
0: are you looking forward to that's hitting stores? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm looking forward to Punisher number four, Above the Snakes number one, Wolverine number 23, and of course, Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League, Superman number one. Hmm. Uh, Well, I am looking forward to 8 Billion Genies, number three
1: from Image Comics is a title from Charles Saul and Ryan Brown about exactly what the title says. What if everybody in the world got their own genie? It goes immediately horribly wrong and it's been getting so creative and so weird and so interesting every issue. Really curious to see where this is going.
0: Plus, what stresses me out is the population count that you get at at the beginning of every issue. You love numbers, though. It's like Spawn style, except it's a
1: countdown for the human race. That's right. Very upsetting. Yeah. But very good book. And all of those books are going to be in the Stack Podcast that drops in the Comic Book Club feed and in its own dedicated Stack feed Wednesday at 9 a.m. And, folks, that is it for this week's show. Oh couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Matthew Arnold for coming on. Check out Eat and Comic Shops on Please July 20th. Do. Bookstores everywhere on August 16th are on Comixology right now. Also, Jason Starr, The Next Time I Die, is out now from Hard Pretty Case cool. Crime. Next week on the show, Drew Gold is going to be here to talk about Motivational House Cat, starring Professor Meow Meow <laughs> and the Angry Bee. And also, Kenny Malone from NPR's Planet Money is going to be Ooh. here. To talk not just about money, but also about a comic book that that he created to make money. So there you go. (laughs) A couple (laughs) of other podcasts that we want to plug. Let's hear it for the boys. Our boys podcast just finished up last week. Finished up season three, so check that out. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast is going... Totally off the rails and posting most Mondays. Also, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, will be finishing up Miss Marvel tomorrow, but you can go back and check out all the episodes for that. The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, rolling out every Thursday, or you can get every episode right now, all 34, patreon.com slash comic book club. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night.
0: Thanks everybody. Take care of yourself out there. Enjoy the old 7030 vodka.